Hi kids, it's Editing Martyr. Um, this is part two of our interview with Miss Junior Mint. Um, so if you haven't listened to part one, um, go back next last week to her um, interview where she introduces herself um, before getting into this one. But we look forward to you enjoying her interview. Um, catch you later. Bye. Wait, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. Um, and we're back, kids. We're back. Um, and we're sitting down with the lovely Junior Mint, as always. <laughs> um, I Woo! wanted to discuss um, your your drag show, your drag collective, really. Um, a in living color. Um, how did that come to be? What's it about? Yeah. Tell the kids. In living color is a show, a collective, a community that I created. In I started drag in 2018 and I started, oh, oh, it was the first week of May. It was May 1st of 2019. Um, and I started it because I was tired of like being told what I couldn't do in a space that was like created by my community, that was created by my ancestors and being told what I couldn't do in the spaces. Like the final straw of it was like being told I couldn't say Black Lives Matter on a microphone. What? But, mm-hmm, because um, one of the, um, I can't remember if he's the manager or the owner, but oh, he was basically like, management. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, and also, but the, the thing about it is the, um, drag producer who who was like producing the event agreed with them was that like nobody's nobody wants to dance or party after they hear Uh, when it's like but that kind of gives me an issue because why would you not want to celebrate after that because so acknowledging that my life matters in this space makes you sad so my life mattering makes you not want to rejoice in the space that my my skin brought Without my ancestors, this space would not exist. Without Marcia, this space would not exist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so basically what you're telling me is I'm good enough to come, come in here and perform for you all, but not good enough to have my life matter. And essentially, you're turning me into a menstrual show. And what that meant for me was basically like, so I, even though I was at... I was just so terrified to create a space for myself because I didn't have that much money. I didn't, couldn't afford to lose money. And I also didn't want to invite people into a space that I couldn't actually guarantee their protection and their safety. And so I sought out to do that because I was tired of what people were telling me that I had to do in a space or couldn't do in a space that eventually I came across this bar that was just new and opening called the gradient. And it was across the street from house of yes, which was very weirdly serendipitous because that's where I started it in the first show I ever Mm -hmm. produced. And um, it was one of those experiences where it with the owners and the management, it was easy at first, then got more difficult, but it was one of those things where I realized how my RA training and everything I went through in college really solidified me because I was like this is not my first time coming up against an institution or organization that is trying to shortchange me or give me less than what I deserve but on top of it it gave me the power and the voice and the strength to know what I deserved 
what I deserve to invite my community into in terms of paying them what they deserve, making sure their safety is guaranteed, making sure that they are taken care of. And it all, when I tell you it all started that week and I did the show and all of these people turned out for this show. Um, oh my God, I'm trying to remember who was the original. The original cast was, I believe, Max Pleasure, Emmy Great, and Vady Bedbug. I'm pretty sure it was the original cast. And I remember it was like one of those things where like even thinking about what I wanted for a show, I couldn't, like I couldn't come up with like a thesis statement of what I wanted. I just know I wanted a place where people could exist and bring all of themselves without having to leave something at the door because, oh, the audience isn't going to like this or the producer's not going to like this, but like it's your art and you deserve to bring all of it to the table. And that was really what I created in terms of a variety show because what happened at week after week, because it was also a weekly show. So honey, we was doing this back to back to back to back to back. And oh. it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It mm. meant that like, I got to find all these amazing performers. So like literally down to like, there'd be poets on my subway trains and I'd be like, would you ever want to perform? And like people from the subway trains would be people who would be performing at the show and are still like a part of the In Living Color community today. There was, uh, we had vendors. We literally, I remember me and Filthy June, we were smoking a joint in Prospect Park past this like queer person who was just so sweet and um, they were selling their merch and we were like, would you want to vend at our show? And literally they vended um, at the show for like two straight months and then they like ended up having to move somewhere but like it's the type of thing where like we really just invited everybody we had poets we had uh, burlesque we had drag we had live musicians we had dancers we had everything and it was so joyful because everybody knew that we all showed it up to some it was like it was like the the Paris is burning I was looking for I created because it was like a drag version of a ballroom in terms of like we all knew that outside of these walls, people would not tip us for this because they don't, it's not pleasing to them. It's not catering to what they want. It's not speaking to the white cis voice that they wanted to. And we knew that in these, in this space, we were going to take care of each other. We were going to love each other. We were going to support each other. And we were going to see each other for exactly who we were and what we wanted to say. And that's what the community really turned into and turned into in terms of like the hugeness that is in living color because I didn't even realize what was happening until because I was just happy that like people were getting paid people were being able to actually have a stage and people were actually like coming up to me and be like can I perform I like I've been dying to perform and there were some bigger name people that like we tried to book who literally the day of would cancel but you know who would never cancel all the community members who like this was the only gig they were going to get this week and eventually like after the first three months we stopped trying to book anybody who had a name because it was like you all don't really understand what we're trying to create here and the value of what we're trying to create because no matter how big your name you can appreciate community and so like we've had big name people who have come in now and like have been so amazing and have been a part of the family and have realized what it is but we really had to take a moment and be like okay we can't we can't cater to ticket sales or how many people are going to turn up because of this person's name if you don't turn up because of community we don't need you here and it makes me so happy to see what has come because filthy june again in the back of an uber ride home after one of the shows uh, actually filthy june had um, not performed in new york city yet because me and filthy june we met in st louis when we were both in college during a technical theater convention. 
And so we literally, and so like we connected as queer people. And like, of course we must have saw the transits in each other, but literally um, they, we had been friends after that. We both happened to move to New York, still friends and everything, but they hadn't performed at all in New York. They had performed back in Indiana and in their college, but they came to the show and was like, I mean, like, I really want to perform. Like, I haven't wanted to perform since I just saw this show. Like, I didn't feel like I had a voice to say or anything to say until this. And then that's also when they told me the thing that I still hold on to so deeply today that they saw in me that I didn't see in, in myself until they said it was, they were like, this is church. This is literally church. And that was the moment where I realized what it was because it was where these queer people were coming to find solace, to worship themselves, to worship exactly who they are and exactly what they want to bring to the table and to center themselves in the world that they see themselves in. And it makes me so happy because to this day, it literally is like the crux of my philosophy because it's like, in the Bible, they say that when two or more people are gathered, Jesus is there. But I feel the same way about queer people, where it's like when two or more queer people are gathered, Marsha is watching, Sylvia is watching, Miss Major all the way from Little Rock, Arkansas is watching. <laughs> all of our ancestors are with us and watching us. And we need to act as if that is happening. And we need to treat each other as if Marsha is watching us. We need to treat everyone in this space as if Marsha is watching. Why don't you care about Black trans lives mattering in this space? Why does hearing that not make you want to celebrate the fact that you're in a space where we're acknowledging our lives matter? Like, that's the thing. Because it's like, if I'm saying this and the thing that makes you, if this makes you feel sad, why does thinking about my life mattering make you sad? Yeah. That's, that's so crazy. But the thing is, I'm just so used to like the racist owners who yeah. own a lot of the gay bars <laughs> that I'm not surprised. Yeah. But it's terrible. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it, Oh, it was a mess. It was a mess. And it's so funny to me because after everything, after everything opening after the um, quarantine and everything, it was so funny because the same, <laughs> the same producer that told me not to say Black Lives Matter on the microphone is reaching out to book me. And it was like one of those things where I was like, and I loved it. This is the full circle moment I needed in my life because I don't have, I don't have any time to hate but I always have time for interest and I'll never lose interest in people. I never lose interest. I don't hate you. I'm just interested in what's happening with you because I want to see what's going on with the person who didn't agree with Black Lives Matter being said on the microphone. And now, of course, you're the person with the black square on your Instagram. Oh, of, of course. course, of course. Oh, that, that pisses me off. Mm. Like, no, mm. nothing, mm. <laughs> nothing mm. else. <laughs> mm. Don't got time for hate, but I always got time for interest. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, okay? Uh, I'm obsessed with that. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of goes into our next topic. You were the speaker and co host of the Brooklyn Liberation March. What was that like? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, <laughs> I think I could say that that's the day that I like found, yeah, I found my voice and my power on that day because it was. I have an issue with seeing myself as the full powerful being that I am up until that day, because even when they asked me to do it and even like being there the day of, it was like that moment where like, I couldn't believe I was standing up there and I couldn't believe that my, wor my words were the ones coming out the speakers. And I also, it was the first time also that like, 
I had found myself in a space with like my black trans elders and it was just all things that I very much needed to see myself because for the first time in the flesh, I got to see what my future can look like. And my future can look like beauty, power, strength, elegance, comedy, all everything. And standing up there and as well, having them embrace me without ever having met me and just, that's the thing I love about my community. Being Black and trans is my favorite thing in the world because my community of Black trans individuals, it's like, we see each other on the street and it's literally like, I can't think of a time I've passed a Black trans person on the street and we did not smile or acknowledge and like, just like, acknowledge each other's existence and our vibration the fact that we're taking up space and it's my favorite thing in the world because we just move with so much love because we've seen so much hate and it makes me so it makes me so happy every single day because I see the beauty and that's what I felt that's what I felt at Brooklyn Liberation it was just so powerful and the next year like 2020 the one that happened in 2021 it just it felt like I got to show up knowing my power that time. And it just was even more impactful. And I just, yeah, I, it, it'll probably be one of the greatest things I'll ever do with my life because to know that black trans individuals throughout this country who are five, 10, 20, 85, 15, every age, got to see themselves reflected on that stage. And I was one of those people who somebody might've been re- seen themselves reflected in. And that is the greatest thing. Cause that's, that's, that's how you prevent suicide. That's how you, that's how you prevent loneliness. That's how you make someone feel seen. That's, that's how you truly create community. Cause you can't, you can't believe in a community you can't see. That's right. Oh my God. Um, we're getting I, deep i love it <laughs> I, welcome welcome to my welcome to my brain all i, I do know, is right. sit and think all the time <laughs> we need it we need yeah. more thinkers <laughs> um i was lucky enough to see you in 2019 um I, it was so special to see someone in the brooklyn drag community also just like be like a spokesperson i i i yeah it was one of my favorite days i it was so good um thank you i remember seeing you because literally you were in weren't you in round one of mix bk at where i want to say you were at the one at bazaar when it was still open oh yeah yeah yeah. Mm, i (laughs) don't even know (laughs) you're fucking amazing i remember Mm. um yeah i remember um uh, i think we did emmy's show Yes. Uh, um. Last month tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yes. 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 So we've been we circulating, but like, yeah. Just to see that was just like, wow. Yeah. Um. Those those gigs are in the like early parts of my career. They're my favorite gigs in the world. Those are the gigs that I will never, ever, ever, ever turn down. I will never turn down like a gig in a bar in the back of a bar where like the music is loud and like we're fighting for attention because. That is the root of what we do as drag artists. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, bitch, we're on the curb, baby. We are fighting for attention and we're going to steal it so bad you want to pay us. Mm-hmm. And that, and it's like, <laughs> like I, I, I'll never forget getting like when you would show up at a bar and you find out that it was like the open bar for the performers and there weren't drinks tickets. And it was like, oh, we get fucked up tonight. <laughs> we, don't get, we don't have just two drink tickets. Those are my like, 
Ugh. the community the community because mm-hmm. we're all scraping and scraping where we all barely got any money we're all trying to pull together our tips to tip the bartender mm. wow the good times the good, the good times, times. <laughs> another event you both did together is bushwick yes what's, yes. what's that been like <laughs> how oh, many years have journey. you done it I've only done it this past year. Oh, you've just did it this That's year. That's wild. Mm. That's wild to me. <laughs> well, it's, it's been so- kind of a weird year, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's kind of funny why I had why I hadn't done it before because it kind of roots back to the stuff that happened this year. Because I didn't do it before because it didn't pay. Because <laughs> literally, I was I did backup for two numbers before in uh, the year in 2019. Mm-hmm. I was backup for um, Suburbia, the Suburbia. And oh my God, Crimson Kitty. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I was back up for them too. And like Crimson Kitty gave me like a whole outfit that like we wore on stage that I got to keep and like paid us and like fed us for the rehearsal and everything. Suburbia paid and fed rehearsal and everything. And I was just like, I don't got no money to really do a number and then not get paid for it. And so it has been a journey. It has been up, down, loop de loop, but it has been. A journey that at the end of the day, just like my Angelou said, still I rise. That's the thing. No matter <laughs> what is going on, all I know is I only carry the best energy. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to protect, serve, and uplift my community. And if that is not your mission, then I cannot be a part of it. And that's what I, that's like, my whole crux about anything, not even necessarily just Bushwick, anything. And so it always needs to be reflected in all aspects of what an organization is doing. As Raquel Willis said at Brooklyn Liberation, if your organization does not have Black trans leadership, Black trans programming, and specific Black trans funding, you are obsolete. Mm. And I say, look at, look at any institution. If you don't have it, you're obsolete. I don't got to point out any specific institutions. You can look at them for yourself. (laughs) It's what you choose from. (laughs) And that's the T. And that's the T. Because (laughs) while all organizations probably have some positives to them, it's always necessary to acknowledge the negatives as well. Because we want want the humanizing factor for everyone involved. And the people who run every organization are just that, people. And we are all trying to... If there's one thing I feel like from all queer people I... Well, 99.9% of queer people, they're always the like messed up ones out there. But for 99.9, most of them I find are moving with an intention to try to build community and bring people together in a positive way. But do I think that everybody does it the right way and the way that I actually protects and values Black trans lives? No. Mm-hmm. 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 We know that. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then again, just as I said, I don't have time for hate. I don't hate nobody. But I am very interested. <laughs> I'm very interested. I'm very I love that thinking so much. <laughs> you don't understand. Because <laughs> truly, truly, I can't. How can I hate somebody when you're a person? I don't know. I don't know what experiences anybody has gone through in their lives to add up to the decisions that they make today. But that's not my problem. That's not my problem. Because <laughs> okay. the thing is, at the end of the day, your actions are your actions. Your mm-hmm. actions are your actions. And <laughs> the voicemails are the voicemails and the emails are the emails and the text messages are the text messages. 
<laughs> you, listeners, you can't see, but me and Caitlin are just looking. <laughs> We're making lots of faces, <laughs> but we agree. We agree. <laughs> Um, mm. So you've also mentored teens and young artists through the Brooklyn Arts Exchange. What is that yeah. program? I've never heard of it. <laughs> oh my God. Literally, thank God for Thady Bedbug. Thady Bedbug is the person who got me in contact with them. They are so great because um, Thady is as well an educator. And so they work with them and they help to run this mentorship program where real life artists in the real world and the most amazing diverse group of artists, I have to say, because from musicians to sculptors, to painters, to also the diversity of backgrounds, it was so beautiful to sit in the room and see like all of these different adults gathered together to mentor youth because it was like, oh my God, every person from every breath of like art and background was like, yes, I want to talk to these youth and yes, I want to support them. And it's a program where literally a bunch of young artists um, of all varieties of age, I think the youngest was like, six or seven and the oldest was um like just about to graduate high school and um some of them had been in the program for years and some had uh, like this was their first year but they all were tasked with bringing a piece of art that they wanted to workshop and then perform and so like some people brought like some people didn't know what they wanted to do and then got into groups and like they decided to come up with like a skit or something some people brought music some people wanted to dance some people some people wanted to do stand-up and um, it was so amazing because they got to like, you got to get paired with people based off of what they wanted to do and what you do. So it wasn't a like, here's this person, here's this person. And it was like, well, this person actually has great intellect into this thing that you want to do. So like you all connect. And it was fantastic because I got to work with um, this amazing, oh my God, I get emotional. <laughs> this amazing, amazing individual. Their name is Miracle. They wanted to do the dance piece. And they were one of the older um, people in the uh, program. And when I tell you, it was like one of those moments where, you know, when you're sitting there, you're like, I'm watching somebody do the thing that they need to do for the rest of their lives. That's what it was like watching Miracle. Because Miracle was like, I mean, I haven't really like planned out anything. Like, I'm just, I, I want to just like in, in, improv it for a moment and then figure out what I wanted to do. And they went out there and improved what easily could have been like the final performance. And I was just like, I don't know what to say. Just like, just do whatever you want to do because it will look good. Like you're, <laughs> it will be look great. And so like throughout the whole process, like ask, ask my advice on some things and everything. And it was like such a beautiful experience because I got to give them some of my tricks in performance in terms of like, when you get stuck, like tips and tricks that I use to like get through um, like roadblocks and mental blocks and like what I want to do or anything like that. And then the other person I got to help was this amazing, amazing kid. And he wanted to do um, stand up. And it was great because I do stand up. And so it's like literally one of the best things in the world because he wrote this entire stand-up set before and like came it was like yeah I'm so ready I'm so excited and came with the, the whole stand-up set and did the thing and when I tell you it was like one of those moments where like was just a normal kid just chilling and then literally got stood up to show me what the stand-up routine was and it was like this face came on this energy came on you would have thought that Eddie Murphy just picked up the mic and Lily just got comfortable, got so comfortable out there, like started walking around and everything and started doing this whole stand up set. And it was hysterical. I was like, I must be on punked right now because I thought this was supposed to be young artists because this right now is giving grown adults seasoned about to get a Kennedy Center Honors Award. Because 
when I tell you the whole stand-up set was ragging on the school and like, oh yeah, and it's like, why is it the cafeteria? <laughs> why do cafeteria ladies, ladies only want to give me five chicken nuggets? Like, you just told me I'm a growing boy. Why are you giving me five if you're trying to make me grow? Like, it was like these small nuanced <laughs> things that I was like, you really have a true perspective on the world and I really want to see this into like an hour long set. But it was so beautiful and amazing because it was just like, I think it was a solid, they worked on things for six weeks and we sat in with them for three of the weeks. And um, we got to go to the showcase and everything. Beyond amazing. And the most beautiful part was the fact that at the beginning of the um, showcase, the person who's the creative director of Bax, they stood up in front of all the all of the young artists and their parents and said, um, they're basically like, I don't know whether you all know it or not, but you were raising young artists. And inside of this room right now are young artists. And so you all, we are going to acknowledge them as that. And it was one of those things where she had the intention of making sure that whether or not any of the parents, guardians, or anybody there to support any of the young artists, whether you acknowledge them as artists in their home or wherever they're taking, you're taking them back to, you will acknowledge them as such here. And that moment of like, I just imagine moments where like, I felt like I couldn't be my full self as a kid. And then like, if I had been in a space where like a teacher had been like, no, you need to call this student this, it would have given me the permission to be like, to other people like, yeah, no, I am an artist. And I saw that look in a lot of like the parents' faces where like some of them were so supportive about it that I could see other parents who were like, what? And I loved it because that what moment is exactly what I want them to have. If this is the first time you hear it, you need to hear it. And it may not get through now, but it, somebody needs to be the first one. As they told, taught me in RA training, sometimes when it takes people to realize addiction or anything it may take 52 people but you got to be the first person in that 52 somebody got to be the second somebody got to be the 43rd somebody everybody has to say it and so everyone has to acknowledge it and everyone has to do to making sure that these young artists are seen as such for themselves and it was so beautiful and it was so uplifting and I saw so many young people find themselves and find a piece of themselves through it because yeah, it was so beautiful to watch like community come together and young people when all I kind of saw a lot of the time was bullying growing up. So it was like to see people who are that young in the space being like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Keep going. And you're like, what? Supportive kids? Uh, go off. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. One could dream, really. <laughs> So speaking of stand-up, you did stand-up at the Chelsea Music Hall. Where is that? I work in Chelsea. Where is that? <laughs> so it, wildly enough, it is underneath of Chelsea Market. Yes. Wait, Don't what? ask me how. Ra, well, Ra, Darling, Ra Ra Darling and Angelica Sunday. Don't ask me how. These two geniuses found the venue, like, literally before. Is it at the, a bar? It is, there's a bar in there, but it's like a performance space. So like the what? bar's not open unless there's a show. And like, I've seen shows there. I've seen bands. They also, when I tell you, I did a comedy show there, right? And one of the wildest fucking things, they partnered with, um, do you know Silent Discos? Hmm. It sounds familiar. It's the thing where like a bunch of people have wireless headphones and you yeah. walk the same playlist and you go, they partnered with them and I got to do a free silent disco and it was the wildest shit that I recommend everybody <laughs> I've done do. that before a silent rave. It's so <laughs> much fun. <laughs> and you're going all throughout motherfucking downtown Manhattan seeing yep. these beautiful things down by the water 
sweating your ass off and like of course you know on drugs but like <laughs> it's great it's great papa molly i'm sweating <laughs> mm-hmm. i work at but, chelsea market i didn't know this existed <laughs> yes 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 so the entrance is outside okay so you have i think to go, i think i know where it is <laughs> there's a um i think there's a like i there's a, a pair of eyeglasses or something with a lightning bolt through yeah. it I'm a visual ass bitch. I would no, remember I visual well. markers. That, that'll help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what but was yeah. it like? Enough about me. What was it like doing stand up? <laughs> it was it was fantastic. I'm so thankful. I somebody asked me to do a stand up show, and I was like, well, I don't see why I couldn't do it, and did it, and turned out amazing. And it's wild because I'm so thankful at that point when people asked me to do it. I had a belief in myself because I just truly believe you can do anything. You can literally do anything that you set your mind to. Just believe it. Actually believe it. And so the moment they asked me, I was like, let me, I sat down and I watched some of my favorite stand-up comedians. And I was like, okay, so like, this is how you kind of get into a flow. This is how you transition jokes in a stand-up set. This is how you do this. And you just watch it because whoever, whoever inspires you, watch that and then learn their technique. Learn the bones of how they do something and then literally take it that's what i did with bob the drag queen i was like there's always the time for a comedic moment you just got to make sure it's the right comedic moment and bob always found a way to add a punchline even if it was like a serious serious ass punchline like i and one of the funniest jokes from bob the drag queen that i will never forget and it was it was literally the moment where i was like if this bitch doesn't win i'm gonna be mad she it was the challenge where they had to do political advertisements and it was her partner with Derek barry and at the end um at the end of it she goes <laughs> she just goes um and this plan it's built by lesbians so you know it'll work and, and i was like it, it is those type of like that type of humor where like i love a joke that can fully be for a specific audience but as well fully uplifting at the fact that you know lesbians don't really fuck around like things work with lesbians. it's a positive thing and it's that like yeah you can make fun of anything but it doesn't need to be something that devalues something and so that's very much how like I learned how to do stand up was watching some more and Monique and like Adele Givens and like stand up from Sherry Shepard and all of these amazing comedians. And yeah, also my life is kind of a joke already because when you've been through enough trauma, it's like the joke writes itself. Like I told you about me and my siblings names like my parents met during a drug deal. My dad was selling. My mom was buying like it all writes. That's itself. iconic. <laughs> literally and literally i'm allergic to come like things like that it writes itself <laughs> i want to see your stand-up asap <laughs> yeah, same. oh my god well you can you will actually get a chance to see it very soon i'm writing a one-woman show Ooh. well yes it's like <laughs> two-thirds of the way finished and it is fucking phenomenal if i say so myself yeah mm-hmm. you can do anything inspired anyway. by whoopi goldberg <laughs> that's right <laughs> Whoopi made it because of her stand-up that's her why one she woman got, show yeah that's why she got cast in the color purple and went off that's a, there. yep one of my favorite behind the scenes facts that's right I love that's why I didn't know story. that that's yep. wild <laughs> <laughs> I know my Whoopi okay <laughs> so you have a new single called Toxic Waste yes 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 oh my god how did this all happen I got high one night and wrote the song. I literally was like, I just, I've always loved music. I was first chair flautist growing up. 
I also have always loved music, always wanted to be a rapper and literally would always like come up with things on my own, but never share it. And then I got home one day, I was just like smoking weed and Little Nas X was telling about how he found the beat for Old Town Road and like made it himself and then released it. Cause he did that whole whole thing himself. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He made the whole thing himself. Produce, um, found the beat on an app called Beatstar. I found an app on Beatstar because I was like, it's all um beats that you can buy and license and then use for your own music legally mm-hmm. and everything. And um, I'm so happy he said it because that's the thing. It, I wanted to find a beat and I didn't know how. I knew Lil Nas X did it, so I was like, how did Lil Nas X do it? I just literally just I'm a research ass hoe, and so found the beat, got high, and I was like. Junior Mints on the beat at five foot ten. Yes, I'm black. I'm trans, and I'm a motherfucking femme. And then from there, it just like kind of all flowed out. And it was again the same friend who like was like just do minty makeup, like do the thing. Was the same friend who was like just do music, like you can do it. Like there's why can't why can't you do it? And I was like okay. And they also helped me to produce music. They're also a musician. We're, we're very like creatively simpatico. And so they created music music, and they actually like, they also are know how to do music mixing and stuff. So we literally got booth time, went in, laid the track down. I did the thing and popped the, popped the baby out the oven. And that happened all the way back in like March. That happened way back in March. And that was, I didn't think I was ever going to release it. I was kind of self-conscious about it. You know, all of the voices in your head that tell you that like, well, why would somebody click on this to listen to? We're all just rummaging in my head. But then it was the moment where I would play it for people and they'd be like, this is amazing. Like what? Like you did this? This is good. This isn't like, this is this is good. And it made me so nervous to share a piece of my art that I'd never thought I'd ever be sharing. Like when I was doing music by myself every time, I never thought that I would release it to anybody when I would practice singing and everything by myself I never thought I'd sing or do anything and so I could do it bigger but I just wanted to put it out there I just wanted to hit like you know post and so I released it and it has been the sweetest the sweetest like reception I could have ever asked for like people have really been loving it people have been sharing it people have been telling me that like somebody sent me a video of them like playing it on their um like morning jog around the like city or whatever and they were like it really is a great song to start off your workout because you'd be getting amped for it and I was like I it's like when people posted photos of like them in minty makeup it's like when I even released it the last thing that I actually envisioned was people actually using it so the thought that somebody's like oh no this is on my playlist or like no this is a song that I have to have my mom listen to I'm like oh my god (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. It's all, I'm always so happy because I'm thankful to express myself and people connecting to it is always just like the icing on top because I never think past me creating it to like people using it. So when people use it, it's just like people connected to the thing that was in my head. People (laughs) said they liked that thing that I did that I literally said to myself, this will be great. Like, I still can't even believe it. And every time I just remind myself, lean into yourself more, bitch. Lean into it. Just keep being yourself because apparently being myself is something people love. So I promise to never stop doing that. 
Um, so speaking of being yourself, you have a podcast too. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I my was god. listening to a little bit of clips today. <gasps> oh my god, that is like that. That's a another thing that gave me so much anxiety. So much anxiety to really because it was sharing a new piece of myself. It was the first time I was ever sitting on a microphone just talking you know what I mean like filling time with what I wanted to fill it with and ideas and like what I wanted to say and I was so every episode beyond anxious beyond anxious recording beyond anxious editing beyond anxious hitting posts beyond anxious photoshopping the cover it was everything was anxious and then I look back on it and I'm like this is good bitch bitch this is good and I I'm just I this is why I love myself because I will fully be doing shit well and I won't even notice it until looking back. And it's the thing that always reminds me like, bitch, okay, if things aren't going well, just remember this is going to look great when you look back. So it's fine. And that is the energy I'm carrying with me as I try to re-up the podcast because I find that I can't work on anything if I don't have passion. Mm -hmm. And at the time, when I released it, there were so many new faces and spirits and energies entering into my life. Like a lot of those people on there are people who I'd gotten to either know deeply in a new way or people who I had known deeply. And I was like, people need to hear about you. And I, I really like want to come back with the podcast and allow it to be something that I like truly, these are people that I've been dying to ask some motherfucking questions to. And I feel like the podcast is an exemplification of when you can be honest with yourself enough to be honest with others, because oftentimes we can do one or the other very well, but not oftentimes both at the same time. And I think that that's part of what my energy does. And that's why I like the podcast. And so my goal is to be able to bring on in this new season of guests, a bunch of people who... I just want to learn some shit from like teach me about how you see the world your way. So that way it can inform the way that I see the world. And that's where all of the heart of the moment of truth podcast came from because yeah, creating it, it felt like a moment of truth where for the first time I was, if you wanted to find some information out about my ass, you could actually find it out because I'm not that much of a social media asshole. I'm just like, not I have difficulty sitting in front of an iPhone or Instagram for too long and like I do try to keep my personal life perfect private for myself and keep some things to myself to treasure so like you won't find the biggest abundance of information about my life or my childhood on my Instagram so I wanted to find a place where people could find some shit out about me and also like honestly smoke with me too because like we'd be smoking during the podcast it'd be like that but yeah, yeah. Mm, it was a fun time fun time that's going to be coming back it's yeah. coming back this spring Ooh. and i have one guest that i'm like scoping out that will be it would be one of the greatest honors of my life to get to talk to her because she's someone who has crafted the image of a lot of powerful black women that i grew up admiring yeah she's an actress and a singer and i can't i don't want to say the name that jinx it but you will never in a million years guess it but it is someone who you know her voice, you know her roles, you know her, and yeah, I'm obsessed. <laughs> oh my god, I love life. 
<laughs> and on that note, I think we should take a little break um, and we'll talk about some more upcoming projects. Yes. We'll back, kids. Wig, I feel that already. Wig, okay. Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. I am ready for my wig to go flying. <laughs> um, we're back, kids. Hi. Such a um, long break. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> um, I I just it's an observation I made with Junior, but um how did how did you how do you have such a positive uh attitude about Martira needs everything? all the tips? I please like, help! I have had such a rough, I've had such a rough day life life at a my current moment, and you have mm-hmm. been such a joy to have on this podcast um and like i, I don't Please know if you've been help. like watching me at all but i've been like beaming talking to you <laughs> we need all the advice where's the book the self-help book <laughs> well it, i think it comes from a, a few places one is definitely like my mom always tells me that like i was just such a naturally happy child like my mom always told me that like all babies have to come out crying, but shortly thereafter I started smiling. And so, so like naturally just like was a like happy smiley kid. But the thing that I would attribute most to like where my optimism comes from is really like trauma. <laughs> Cause like, it's like real, like truly my Angelou said it still I rise. Cause through all of the shit, through all of the trauma, through all of the abuse, through all of the neglect, through all of the loneliness, I'm here. I am still goddamn here. And the people who love me are still here. The opportunity for me to get to a greater place of happiness is here. And I say this is a bitch with depression. I'm not a perfect bitch. It is not sunshine and smiles and rainbows every goddamn day. Some Mm. days it is a shit ass day. But the thing I will never forget is that while it is a shit day, there is tomorrow. And while today may be shit, tomorrow is not guaranteed to be shit. So even the thought of getting to a tomorrow where it's better than the shit I'm going through today is sometimes a thing that will get the smile on my face. Or is the thinking about the fact that like, I'm not in the place that I was before, honestly, because I think about some of the living situations I had to be in, some of the people I had to surround myself with. And it's like, thank God those things are out of my life. Like I, I have so much more time to think about other problems in my life that pertain to me other than people who are toxic, who are draining, who are abusive. And it's always just realizing that like, not that things could be worse, things have been worse. And the fact that like, things are not gonna always be perfect, but bitch, I'm still amazing. That's the other thing. I have anxiety, depression, ADD, dyslexia, but I'm still a bad bitch. I'm just a bad bitch with all those things. I'm a bad bitch with depression. When I'm feeling it out, when I'm, when, when I was really feeling my most suicidal, I was still a bad bitch. I was just a suicidal ass bitch. Okay. That's the only difference. That's the thing. It's reminding myself to never lose my value, reminding myself that no matter what I'm going through, it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. Everything that goes on. There's a million different things going on. There's things going on with that person's life, that person's life, this person's life. There's things the universe is doing that none of us can see or control. If I lost my grandmother on Christmas Eve this past year, and the, I'm in 2020 and I lost my aunt in April. So it's like, that is what happened. I cannot control it. All I am is thankful that I let them know how much they meant to me when they were here. And the fact that 
Now I still cook my grandmother's cornbread recipe and baked macaroni and cheese recipe. And she is here with me every single goddamn day. Because at the end of the day, none of us are just in one form. They are, they're listening to me talk about them right now being like, yeah, Julia, you better not let bitches forget about us. Like there is never, there's never a negative to only thing to think to anything. There's only the, like, I hate the term, but in this habitual in our heads that wants to see the negativity in things. And that is what society trains us to do. That is what capitalism trains us to do. If capitalism only works because we feel like we need something, if you feel sufficient in everything you need, you don't need to buy something. You don't need this other product. That is literally what capitalism sets us up to believe. And when you realize that literally everything you have is all you need, like I got myself through everything that I've ever gotten through. Every horrible thing that has ever happened to either one of you, you got you through it. You were sitting here because of you. So how can you not believe you're powerful? Because you remember how horrible things were? You remember how you thought there would never be an out to the horribleness of what was before? There's an out and you got yourself to it. So what's going to make you believe that you're not going to get to the out of the next thing and this thing you're in right now? There's no reason to not believe it. Look at the track record. You're right here. So why are you not going to keep succeeding, not elevating? Can you look back on the past and say that you were not as good as you are right now? And if you can, what's to make you not believe you're not going to be even better tomorrow? And even if you stay the same, bitch, that's, you're never going to go down in value. You can't go down in value because it's never like you're losing a piece of yourself. Every day is an added experience that adds something to you, adds something. You get to tie up conversations with your friends that inform the love that you understand about yourself, the way you see yourself. Even when you have a horrible experience with bitches, tells you the bitches to avoid the next time. It's all positive. In every situation, all you are is learning, growing, and evolving to the better version of yourself that is at tomorrow waiting for you. And that person is waiting for you. You just got to claim that bitch. Because that all the blessings that are meant for you can't find you if you're pretending to be somebody else. Damn. Did you take that down, Martyr? <laughs> um, I, my invoice will be in the mail, Junior. This is also why I do um, empowerment life coach. <laughs> literally, literally. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent on all of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because Lily, when my dad left, did I think that anything would possibly be positive in my life? No, but it only came to me because of one, the love of my mother and her protecting me and me seeing that there could be a good thing for me and believing that there could be a good thing. Not necessarily seeing I'm going to be a drag performer. I'm going to have a state. It was literally I'm going to have a steady meal and I'm going to work my ass off until I get that steady ass meal. And that was why when I was doing drag gigs at three and getting home at three in the morning, having to like get two hours of sleep, wake up and go and do my day gig and, and escape the room and then go and assist a scenic designer afterwards and then get ready for the gig after. And all while eat, not being able to afford a meal, but only eating two bros, uh, dollar slice pizza in between and all of that. Because at the end of the day, I'd rather work hard to get myself that steady ass meal than to give up any piece of myself to try to get a lap of luxury life. And I'm just so thankful and never giving up on myself, just never giving up. Because even when you, even when you fuck yourself over, when you leave your wallet somewhere, when you believe in a person you should have never believed in, who gave you every reason to believe you should have believed in them, bitch, you learned something. You are not perfect. You are not going to escape all the horrible people in this world. You aren't going to escape trauma. You aren't going to escape bad things happening. But what you always can attain is the knowledge that you will succeed. You will rise above this. And as Celie says in The Color Purple, I may be broke, I may be black, and I may be ugly. 
but bitch, I'm here. And that's what no one can ever take from you. Bitch, you're here. And that means that inherently you have value. Inherently. There is no person on this earth that doesn't have value. And so just by you existing in this space, taking up space, breathing air, even when you pass away and your memory is just dust, and the only way that we actually can remember you is through the love and the words of those who loved you, you still exist and you still have value. Always. Damn. Damn, This is our most inspirational episode. I, know, I, know, I, know. Mm-hmm. I am such in a good mood right now. Thank you. I really yes. appreciate it. No, thank yourself. Thank yourself. <laughs> you, right. you can't catch the blessings that you don't mm-hmm. want to catch. And mm-hmm. I could have said all of this and you could have not listened to any of it if you That's wanted right. to. Thank yourself. You get all the things that are beautiful in your life. You got them. You chose to listen and you chose to take it in and find value in it. This is what I say to people. Like you take ownership of the fact that you just brought that into your life. Yes, I said the words, but you can, you're the only one who can pick up the message for yourself. You did that. Thank you, Martyr. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you, need to say, and you need to say it out loud too. Because if we believe the words have power, we need to be using it. That's why getting bitches mm-hmm. pronouns right is important because if your mm-hmm. words have power, then use them bitches correctly. Mm-hmm. I always, I look in the mirror and I say, thank you. I say, thank you, Junior. I say, thank you, Past Junior, for looking out for future Junior. When I make my bed or I like look, roll a joint before the gig and then I got my joint for later. Thank you, Past Junior. Thank yourself because your mm-hmm. words cut through time as well. And Past Junior heard that. And that's why I treat myself so well in the future because I know in all iterations of myself, past, present, and future, I'm going to thank myself. I'm expecting myself to do nice things for myself because I thank myself for it. Mm-hmm. You just got a whole nother word. <laughs> just, we we could just go all night. I know. <laughs> We're here mm-hmm. for it. Oh, my God. <laughs> um. Well, thank you, Junior. Thank you, Martyr. And thank you, Caitlin. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's what I like to hear. I love us. That's my favorite phrase. I love us. That's love right. Us. <laughs> um, speaking of inner saboteurs, do you think you would ever apply to RuPaul's Drag Race or Dragula? <laughs> or Dragula? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. When I tell you, if there's one thing you don't ever have to worry about seeing me do, it is ever participating in RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I would never participate for a multitude of reasons, down to the transphobia, down to the amount of money that they expect you to invest in order to get maybe a turnout on a show that's edited to what the storyline they want it to be is. I realized that the thing I'll never allow anybody to do is to have control over the edit of anything I say or anything I do, because at the end of the day, my words are my words. And just like I said, they're powerful. And the amount of times people on that show have left that show not having their words depicted as what they said. And it's well on top of it. The fact that the transphobia in the casting and the fact that like, while yes, we have two amazing, amazing trend out trans and proud contestants on this season, I can't neglect 13 plus seasons of transphobia where not even just not allowing trans women on, but then adding valuations to different portions of trans people's bodies where, oh, this trans person can be on because they don't present, or this trans guy can be on because they don't have boobs, 
or these different valuations of now, it just feels even worse because now I know how much thought you have put into a trans body not getting onto this show. Because you, because the thing is, Shea Coulee identifies as trans non-binary. All there's plenty of non-binary trans. There's been a lot been of non-binary, show. but they don't talk about it on the show. Yeah, exactly. Because their whole premise is RuPaul's Drag Race. We are here to show you the drag RuPaul does, aka the transition of a man in drag to a woman. I mean, a man into a woman in drag, mm-hmm. and there it's not until it becomes financially advantageous for them to do it that they allow it because that's the reason why you see all these different levels of other trans people getting on the show before to be like are the people in the middle of the country still going to watch even if there's a trans person on the screen and again as a person who has technical background and experience in production uh tv film all of these different things i know what goes into these conversations around these shows and even down to rupaul standing on the emmy stage and saying um because somebody asked ru about like the diversity of the team and like one of the questions after they won an emmy for the show because everyone was on the uh, stage and Rue just goes this is an all queer stage of diverse people and there's like two black people standing on the stage and you're like that's the problem that's the problem there's a bunch of white gay people creating these narratives for this most diverse show Mm -hmm. so why are y'all the ones making decisions on the all the scripts that they have to read all of the challenges they're doing everything Mm -mm. It's a no for me. But I will also always add that I never knock anybody who goes onto the show. Honey, get your coin how you got to get it. I don't say no performer for anything they got to do to go get their coin. We are struggling queer performers who can barely find a check. Honey, if what you need to do is go on Drag Race to get your coin, do it, honey. But the only thing I would say is just remember, remember the reason why you can do drag. Remember the Black trans ancestors who fought for you to go and do this when you're standing on this stage and you're representing people on this huge platform because a lot of people get the platform and then forget exactly why they even have the ability to get onto a national television platform. Same thing for RuPaul. If I want RuPaul to remember that. I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know. <laughs> we can try. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We can do try. And, and Dragula I have more respect, so much more respect for, but one, I'm definitely not the, a contestant that would fit into that mold, but also on top of it, like, because I don't want to ever say spooky drag or alternative drag. Like, I don't want to label anybody who wants to apply for like bigger, but like whatever demographic of people. Well, actually, I do know for anybody who is whore, filth, glamour, I who are that makes slay it. I love the things, but that is not me. I know I would slay drag race. I would easily win drag race to be honest i would slay that shit but the thing is i'm like do i do you want to exceed in a rigged competition Mm. do you want to exceed in a competition that like how many people because they may look more trans than you didn't get on the show Mm -hmm. like i'm good but dragula i love but also they're not doing any exterminations with me i'm not putting my body on the line i'm good i'm good respect to those who will do it but not me baby and yeah because if anything i I wouldn't anything that I would do on television would have to be something where like I would be having a producer credit or I'd be having some form of final say in the edit because mm-hmm. no what you're not going to do is mix up a black trans woman's words to say what you want them to say that's right mm-hmm. 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 I've, I've thought about it and I would always go back and forth being like maybe I would and then yeah. literally it was just like one of those moments where I was like no it's also kind of like signing up to do corporate drag because it's very much like 
you can't say certain things on your Instagram. You can't mm. do certain things because as well, your whole demographic is teenage white girls in the middle of the country. So it's like, you're only doing things to cater to them. And I, I oh, well, actually, I'll save this for the, for the end. I'll save this for the, for the story. I have a story about a drag race girl who like, it's like one of those moments where I was like, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. We're like, you, you, what's the what good is it getting to a higher platform if you're leaving your community on the lower platform? Mm, mm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> on a better note, what are any upcoming projects that we have to look forward to? Mm, upcoming projects. I'm sure there's like a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> All literally always, always. But that's great. Booked and blocked. I'm one of those coals <laughs> in the fire type bitch. Yeah. The ADD, I like to work on a lot of things at once mm-hmm. and then like get a little bit done at a time. So projects that are definitely coming up. Um, the goal is either um be so I'm writing this one woman show. We're going into rehearsals pretty soon. And like when I say a one woman show, it's gonna be like two hours of junior mint. It is going to be live music. I'm going to be releasing another song that is going to also be in the um, show. Um, And on top of it, it is one where I'm about to transport you to what it is like to be inside the Junior Mint box. And I'm so excited because basically you guys have got kind of gotten a taste of what exactly it's like. It's like sitting and having a conversation with me. You're going to laugh. You're going to feel inspired. You're going to cry a little bit. And, but beyond everything, the thing you will walk away feeling is in touch with your power and in touch with how amazing you are and in touch with the love that you should have for yourself. And I'm so excited for it. We've all, I've already shot the promo shoot for it with the amazing Nicholas and Tanner. It's about to be a gag. Like, I can't even, ooh, actually, because it's a podcast, I can show, do you want to see the reference image yeah, for the photo it. shoot? Yeah, let's do oh, it. Because it's a podcast, nobody else will see it. Here it is. And there's this one image yes. from the vinyl. It's from the Emancipation of Mimi. Yeah. And this image has always transfixed me. And I was like, I need to do a shoot inspired by it. Ooh. Yes. And it's, a, it's a whole shoot with me this fabric and I'm looking like this and I'm looking sexy. It, y'all aren't ready. Y'all aren't ready. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> y'all get ready. It's going to be, yeah, two hours. I want to also have, I want to also be able to collaborate. Ooh. I also want to be able to collaborate with other people in order to have like, ven- I want to have vendors be a part of it. I want to be able to have moments to highlight my community throughout. So it's going to be an, an amazing experience and it, I'm planning a three night engagement, honey. There's going to be nights. And so I'm so excited for people to see it. There's that, there's new music, there's new minty makeup in the spring, fingers crossed. And hopefully, hopefully you'll see it possibly on the shelves of amazing places. That's all I can say. Amazing places. (laughs) We'll have it on the shelves, hopefully. And what else is coming up? Oh, in Living Color, February 9th, because if this comes out the first, this will still be relevant. Mm -hmm. February 9th, we are doing this amazing, amazing show. This is all basically, on February 1st, we'll see what COVID conditions are like. But um, at $3 Bill, we are having a collaborative show. It is going to be in Living Color at Sylvester. Do you know Sylvester? Of Mm -hmm. course. Yes. And Mm -hmm. we are collaborating on a show with them. So it's going to be us as um as the six of us and we're going to be doing duets it is going to be 
a night of love, self-affirmation. And the key to it is because we're so, it's going to be so close to Valentine's Day, we want to make sure that we highlight not just romantic love, like the love between friendships, platonic love, um, love of an animal, love of anything, love of an object, love of, love of an orgasm, you know, throw everything in there. And there's that February 9th. That's a Wednesday. It's going to be a gag Um, And oh, yes, actually, there is oh, one. Oh, I'm just, I'm so beyond excited because I am going to be slowly creating an entire visual album over the next three to four months. I have about five of the tracks already prepared and I can't fucking wait because the whole goal is to make it like, I want to tell one very big narrative. And so in the early spring, this is welcome to all the projects I'm doing. In the early spring, (laughs) in the early spring, you will um, hopefully be getting a taste of my EP. It is like nothing I've ever done before. There's a few covers on there, which I'm shook at myself and how amazing of a voice I have. Cause I was like, Oh, God bless throat coat. God bless throat coat. A um, pro- throat coat. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I would suck dick for throat coat. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, I don't throat coat has the best flavor I've ever tasted. Ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It just, it hits marshmallow different. root. Oh, that's a good drag name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get to the root of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, a visual album is coming and also a music video for Toxic Waste. I can't fucking wait. I just, I want to create visuals for the songs I'm creating and I want to transport people to a place where Black trans power is is already abundant. We already have it abundant in our community, but we're trying to make it abundant in this society right now. But I want to transport people to a world where that is already abundant because I, oh, whenever I sing, it feels like I'm connected to so many of my ancestors because so much of the Black ancestry and lineage is about getting through your pain through singing, all the way down to the fact that Negro spirituals are like the root of basically all American music. And so it's like, yeah, I want to transport people to the future that I hope we can accomplish. That I not that I hope that I, we can accomplish, that we will accomplish. Mm-hmm. Claim it. It's already over there. We just got to get to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Junior Mint for president. Oh God, <laughs> no! Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Once you become president, you can't even do anything good. Yeah. Oh God! The rigmarole. That's that's honestly part of why I love doing drag because it's yeah. like you no affect change. Exactly. Yeah. And you affect change and change people's minds more readily and more willing because it's like Congress is like the political version of drag race. Literally. <laughs> You're right. Literally. Because <laughs> it's literally like, this is not real. We are all just playing a role right now. And it's like, yeah, you can't you can't create change in a rigged system. And the one system I know can never be rigged is community. And that's why I'll never leave it. I'll never leave it. Um, and that brings us to our next question. Um, you've given us so much lately, but what is the best advice you've ever been given? About draft. <laughs> oh, that's easy. That's easy. Because I, so I am a big, like, I am an advice 
what's the word? If not aficionado. I, I like to use advice liberally. If you get advice about one thing in your life, that can apply to every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've taken is the best advice I ever got was in RA training and I've applied it to drag, which has been the most helpful thing in the world. So in RA training, one of the RAs got up and said this one thing because they were giving advice about how to be an RA and everything. And they were like, the best thing you can do is don't pretend to be the RA. You are the RA. You don't have to act like the RA. You are the RA. Just be the RA. And that has been something that has taught me so much of like, all that is necessary is me. I don't need to, there is no way that an artist act, there's no way that a drag performer does drag. You are the drag performer, just do do you boo. And that is the best advice I've ever gotten because the amount of times where like, I could have said, I'm not a singer. I like, or like, what does a singer sound like? And try to sound like everything else except myself to sound like everybody else, instead of just sounding like myself. Same thing with drag. The thing I wanted to do was always use my voice. And so it was the type of thing where like, yeah, inherently all of the mixes I'm going to do are about using my voice, saying something, making people feel differently than when they walked in. And yeah, always keeping in mind that I am the drag artist. If somebody booked, I've been booked for birthday parties. I, I've been booked at karaoke bars for like people are having private parties. I've been booked. I've been booked to go to hospitals to cheer people up. I have been booked to like read to kids in libraries. And every time there was always a little twinge of anxiety in my head being like, oh my God, did they book the right person for this? Like, am I going to be the right person that they're hoping me to be? And realizing, baby, they booked you. You're you. Go bring you. That's all you need to do. It's like, and all of my favorite artists are the people who do that. Like, I, Shanita Bump. I have seen Shanita Bump do Shanita Bump in prestigious ass places with with like velvet ass, comfortable ass curtains and good seating and people paying fifty to sixty dollars a ticket. And I've seen Shanita Bump go and like douche into a litter box as Catwoman at Bazaar Bushwick. I've seen her do it, do her everywhere because that is who she is. She's not trying to be who she needs to be for this situation. This she's her, and that's how I always feel. Is like just be yourself. Literally just be yourself because you are you. Same, your blessings can't find you if you're being somebody else. And once you start being yourself, it's it's like magic. Because if the thing you want to do is scary alternative drag and the thing you're doing is everything but that, you'll never get booked for the scary alternative gigs that you want. You'll never get to meet the people who are into scary alternative drag. It's like all of the things that... <laughs> feel like pressure or feel like resistance in our lives, you gotta let it go. Because if it's resistant and then it's like, should it really be there? It's called life, not work. And so if you're working for something in your life, it's not worth it. It's life, not work. Capitalism, get that out your head. Get the idea of work out. Life is supposed to be simple, easy. Friends and loved ones who it's difficult to be yourself around, to speak your mind around, why are you around them? Why do you why do you pick time for people who you can't speak around? So you're so you're scheduling time for yourself to be silent. Like these are the things that like get into our own way of like, no, just be yourself and listen to yourself. You know what is right. Stop talking yourself out of how you feel and start talking yourself into actions that support how you feel. Mm-hmm. So like all of that is from the simple advice of don't be the don't act like the RA. You are the RA. Just be the RA. And same anything you do, anything. As a partner, you don't have to pretend to be the perfect partner for the person you're dating. You are their partner. Just be their partner. 
You don't have to, there's no image idealized thing of like, well, this person's probably gonna want me to do this. A boyfriend has to do this. A girlfriend has to do this. No, you just gotta be you. You're in the relationship. Being somebody else is them in a relationship with someone that you, you're not even being. So, boop. Be the RA, Martier. That wasn't RA, too. Mm, that part. Just um, be yourself. I don't know. Um, my favorite question. Miss <laughs> um, Junior, can you give us a salacious, tantalizing, drama-filled, <laughs> dramatic, never been seen before, unique, but referencing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, craziest oh moment you've experienced in nightlife, heard about nightlife, in drag, what have you. Oh my God. When I tell you. Okay, I'm going to give you a story from actually my second time doing the hot mess competition. It was my second to last time doing the hot mess competition. I'm doing a number. Um, all I want for Christmas is you. And, but it's of course a mix. And the mix is, um, it's about calling 911 on black people for no reason. And the whole, it's dragging white people, of course. And I'm doing this number on stage, right? I'm doing this number and halfway through, I'm seeing like, you know how like you can see something happening in the back of the space, in the darker corner where you're like, there's rustling happening, but I'm trying to stay in the moment. But like something is happening that you like see a few bottles fly into the air like beer bottles and you're like, what is happening? And then the thing, is, the final thing that I saw before like things got resolved was this guy, it was like this angry white guy kind of like charging towards the stage. And you're like, what is happening? And then after I saw him charging, I saw like two arms like rustle up and grab him and like drag him out. I've, have you ever been to House of Yes? Yes. So, you know, the main space and there's those two yeah. doors that lead to the mm -hmm. other space, the first space. So yeah, they yeah. grabbed him, dragged him through the doors and he was out of the space. And I like finished the number and everything. And then two people in the audience come up to me and go, did you see what happened? Like, I can't believe that just happened. And I was like, what just happened? And apparently there were two drunk white guys who were pissed at my mix. They were pissed and they were so pissed they were trying to throw beer bottles on the stage at me <gasps> yes and it was like people around them hearing them like because apparently they were trying to shout things too but oh like i God. couldn't hear them and apparently it was the people around them who heard them shouting who were the people who like grabbed them and took them out to space because like security couldn't get there and like or at least fast enough and so it was the type of thing where i was like are you telling me that like I'm kind of controversial. Like, I'm kind of like that bitch. Like, I just like got somebody to respond to. I'm not the drama. No, <laughs> am I the villain? No, I'm not the villain. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of those moments where I was like, this is like one of those amazing moments where I was like, you know, you're saying something. <laughs> you know, you're saying something when that is somebody's response, mm -hmm. when that is your response. Cause I've seen a lot of things. I hadn't seen anger until that moment to like my performances. And now I'm used to it. Now I'm like, okay. Cause I'll be in like Midtown doing a number about fuck uh, the national anthem and like fuck, <laughs> fuck John McCain. So I'm like, honey, it was probably one of y'all uncles. So I'm good. <laughs> the tea, 
the <laughs> team. Oh my god. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> but the final drama, the final drama is like I'm giving you lighthearted drama. This one is like one of those fun moments of like a reverence in drag. And do you know Uncle Freak, Foxy Bella Freak? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite human beings on this earth. When I tell you, Foxy is like one of my favorite people because they will be producing a show, hosting a show, performing in the show twice, once as Uncle Freak and then as Foxy, and then as well running around doing the producing thing. And one of my favorite things I have ever seen in my life, and like it was just like one of the most amazing moments because you know, Uncle Freak is so lovable and adorable that you're just like, it's like this cartoon animated character running around doing a million things. And Foxy is running around and I just see Foxy, like I'm in the show and Foxy is running around being like, where is my outfit? I cannot find this outfit. And mind you, the outfit is in her hand. And so literally we're like, honey, it's in your head. You got this. It's okay. The performer's on stage. We got like four minutes. It's okay. Breathe. You got some time. And then she's like, okay, okay, okay. And then she's like putting on the whole outfit and everything. She's like, oh no, God, I forgot my tights. Take the outfit off real quick. Puts the tights on. Puts the outfit on. Wait, no, my God, I forgot the garter. Takes the outfit off. Puts the garter on. Attaches the garter. Puts the thing on. And it's like this adorable moment of like her get like tripped up on herself. And then like she's performing next. She's like rushing and everything. And she gets up there just in time, like, you know, to grab the mic and start the introduction. She gets up there and she does this whole thing. And like, starts okay i'm going next amazing the music starts she gets into her burlesque routine the things come off and everything right and mind you she had just changed from doing uncle freak in the previous act so like she went from like drag king makeup to high femme makeup and like all of this stuff gets on stage gets to the part like it's sultry takes the robe off it's sickening it's stunning it's couture and then gets to the part where the bra's coming off and she's like undoes it at the center, keeps it folded, does her back to the audience, peeks over the shoulder, gives them the eye, shakes one side to get a little tease, shakes the other side, drops the bra, turns around. And my favorite thing in the world, the funniest moment in the world, she forgot her pasties. So she's just flashing the audience. She's fully just flashing the audience. And it's one of my favorite things because Foxy's a great performer. So Foxy immediately leads into it and just goes, oh, yeah. And she literally says loud enough, like, extra show, tip more. I was like, this is my icon. This is my legend. And the prime definition of you just got to be you. Honey, you forgot the pasties. Y'all need to tip more. Y'all saw a nipple. Like, because <laughs> uh, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, because I just thought about some other drama. I just, I know too much. I know too much. I know too much. It's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's just, just, just know that a lot of drag race people who get onto the show will not work with a lot of people who they worked with before in the scene mm. and will basically redirect you to their management now. Mm-hmm. And so it's like one of those moments where it's like, I, there's no need in saying a name because there's multiple names. Mm. But yes, just- Were that's they another- from New York? That's my question. Yes. Mm-hmm. M- multiple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like one of those things where you look at them and you're like, this kind of makes sense because like the only there's the only people tagged in your photos now are the people making your outfits and doing the photography. If you scroll far enough, there's photos of them with friends at drag gigs and stuff. And you're like, 
sounds like you do corporate drag now where it's yeah, like definitely. you have to go through my manager and like we can't just do this fun little project nope you gotta go through the manager and it's yeah it's the heartbreaking part of like signing your soul away to world of wonder at the end of the day you're always angling for the next all-stars and that's really all you can hope for that's right yeah. teardrops on lagi atada you know <laughs> Oof. Uh, no comment. I'm just gonna say that. No comment. <laughs> we still want you on our show, whoever you are. <laughs> yes. yes. Come here and fight me about what I said. Yes. Come here. Come here and dispute everything I said. That's my favorite thing. If people don't like it, just invite them to fight you on it, and then you get double the viewers. That's right. Mm-hmm. Here for mm-hmm. that. That's how CNN does it. <laughs> That's how they all do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Categories Fox News. Oh, exactly. Bloop. <laughs> you have to bleep out Fox News. We can't say that. <laughs> we will. <laughs> Y'all are uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our last question is where mm-hmm. do you want to take your drag in the future? Um. I, I never have a specific trajectory for it in terms of like what I what I'll do or what I'll accomplish because like if you would ask me five years ago if I'd be doing drag I would have said no so who the fuck knows what I'll be doing but for me all I hope that occurs with my career is just affecting more people touching more people's lives changing more people's minds and doing that in a way that I get to keep my happiness and as long as my happiness is there, then I'm happy to keep giving myself to everybody. Because uh, for me, the lap of luxury is Uber Eats, honey. If I could order any food that I want, I'm happy. Okay. So for me, if I can keep my happiness, I'm happy to have a TV show, be in a movie, do a Broadway thing, suck dick on a corner, whatever. You know, I'm open. <laughs> my calendar is open. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And on that note, <laughs> thank you so much, Junior, for joining us. Yes, <laughs> Church Junior. <laughs> Happy to um, be here. I'm honored. Where can the kids find you on the socials? You can find me on everything at Junior Mint with two T's. And you can find me on Twitter at Mint with two T's, Junior. It's Junior Mint backwards. Some bitch named Amanda Sosa has had junior mint with two t's since like 2017 and i'm pissed about it because this bitch has no posts on it and i'm like i try i try to dm the bitch being like are you using this because i could use this this would be helpful for me but i'm mad i digress junior mint everywhere and if you're looking for me on twitter mint junior just junior mint backwards And where can they find your makeup information? Oh, yeah. Ooh, you can find my makeup. It is Minty Makeup. That's Minty with two T's. And you can find it at mintymakeup.com or you can find it through minty.makeup on Instagram or go to the link in my bio and it is all tagged there. It is all phenomenally, phenomenally, phenomenally made makeup that is cruelty-free, vegan, and on top of it, designed to make you feel like a bad bitch when you put it on, but more importantly, when you take it off. T. Oof. Thank, thank you so much, babe. 
Such a mm-hmm. pleasure. Hey. It's an honor. I'm, this is actually a fantastic way to spend my night. This was phenomenal. Aww, this is a fantastic here. night for us too. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. This is all I have left is to smoke weed and play Super Smash Bros. I I was Martyr. I was Sweet Pepper. And this was Wicked Bye, kids. Bye. I'm C. Tepper. You can follow me on Instagram at C-T-E-P-P-E-R and read my book, The State of Drag, where I interviewed 175 drag queens from around the world. All proceeds go to charity on Amazon.com. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at DragTheMartyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, dick pics, send them to DragTheMartyr at gmail.com. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Pandora. And catch up with past episodes on work.com. That's W-E-R-R-R-K.com. Artwork for Wigging Out was provided by Glitter Baby Online. That's Glitter Baby Online. Thank you.